Pastor Xavier Reese and the authority of the Bible. We are to test the spirits whether they're of God or not, 1 John 4, 1-3. You can know who's talking to you, whether it be a spirit, whether it be a man, whether it be by letter, whether it be a tape you hear. You can tell if it's the Spirit of God. You know why? If you know the Word of God. If you know the Word of God, whatever you hear, you sit through the Word of God. And you can say, that's of God or that's not of God. It's real simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Gang violence, rape, murder, hate crimes, and on and on. How can a nation which claims to be Christian be in such a mess? Today, as he takes us back to the book of Titus, Pastor Xavier explores what happens when we fail to take God's Word seriously. Let's listen. Titus chapter 1, verse 10, and the message is entitled, The False Teachers at Crete. Wherever you have truth, you're going to have error. Wherever you're going to have an original, you're going to have those things that are trying to be passed off as originals, counterfeits. Now, if you look at verse 9, you will see that it is the last requirement for elders and bishops, but it also serves as a transitional verse for the following section of false teachers and their doctrine that goes from verse 10 to 16. Listen as I read it. Holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. The last requirement here is that they know the Word of God. Why? To be able to confront those who contradict the Word of God. And so, what we want to do, having this background, we want to look at verse 10, at the nature of the false teachers at Crete, which is described in three ways by Paul. Let me read verse 10 now. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. That's all we're going to look at. Here's the three ways that Paul describes the nature of these false teachers. First of all, their character in the first portion of verse 10. Second, their practice in the middle. And then lastly, their identity. Their character, their practice, their identity. Notice he begins with character because character is who you really are, okay? Not what people think you are. Character is who you are at heart. And if you're not right with God there, then everything else is meaningless. Very important. Notice he says, for there are many insubordinate. First of all, their character is marked by that one word, that one word alone, insubordinate. The word insubordinate, which means one who is not subject to another. One who cannot be subject or controlled by any authority. They do not respect God's authority over their lives, let alone the gospel that's being preached by Paul and now Titus there. Because they are an authority in themselves. You've met people, and I've met people, where you meet them and they say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, praise God, that's neat, brother. What do you feel? You know, we started talking, all of a sudden, you know, you find out that they're a different type of Christian than what the Bible says. And if you call them on the stand of the word, well, you know, the word of God says this. Says, hey, we're not limited to the word of God. <laughs> and they go beyond the word of God. They don't put themselves under the word of God. The scriptures command each of us to acknowledge the authority of God, as well as those who are called in place 
of leadership in the church. The character of the false teachers was marked by insubordination. And see, once that exists, then they can do what they want. They're the law unto themselves. Notice, secondly, their practice. From who you are comes what you do. <laughs> Both idle talkers and deceivers. Notice first the false teachers were idle talkers. And the word idle talkers means vain, empty, profitless, and futile. The word appears only this time in this form. The word identifies one who utters worthless and senseless things. Empty-headed babblers. That's a good phrase. <laughs> Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 4, and 5. Such a person is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. The idle talker destroys truth as well as people. The truth, of course, is the word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus says, my word is truth. Sanctify him through thy word. That word is truth. The truth that leads people to God for salvation. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so they destroy the truth of God, so what they preach is a social gospel. A seeker-friendly church. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about bad stuff. We just kind of make people comfortable and then give them cookies and coffee afterwards. And, and then, slowly but surely, we'll introduce them. We don't want to scare them. Sin's scary. Really. I'm glad Jesus didn't work like that. The truth that sets people free from the power of sin to live in the power of the Holy Spirit to reside in them. They don't lead people to that. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says, Walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh, uh, lust against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, they are contrary to one another. The idle talkers seek not to serve, but to be served. They are savage wolves. Not sparing the flock, Paul says in Acts 20, 29, as he speaks to the elders of Ephesus before he leaves. They speak perverse things to draw the disciples to themselves, as Paul tells them in Acts 20, 30. And he has spent three years with these guys. And we already finished 1 Timothy. The prophecy came through because the leadership had become corrupted from within. Look at the pastors they had. They had Paul. They had Timothy. They had John the Beloved. And they were already corrupted by the time Timothy was there. And remember the message to the churches in Revelation? To the church of Ephesus? You've left your first love. That's where it's at, people. Listen, if you do not have passion for God, your history. Just a matter of time. Let's carry that principle over. Husbands, if you don't have passion for your wife, whoa, be careful. A sweet, wiggly thing come by and you're going to be gone. Ladies, same thing. If you don't have passion for God, you're going to get sucked in with the philosophy of the world. You can be all you can be. Get out there and do it. You've been ripped off all this time. Go find yourself. You better hope to God you never find yourself. It's a scary thing. <laughs> Notice, secondly, the false teachers are deceivers. The word deceiver means a mind deceiver, a seducer. The mind is kept occupied with enticing information so as to allure a person to take the bait. And you fishermen out there, you're, you're, you're telling that, that, that fish, look what a little worm I have. That's how you're deceiving him. You have a hook for him. 
But you want him to believe that he, you have food for him. The mind is kept from the true agenda and motive. The process is through words of emptiness, clever chosen words to propagate the intent. The product is seduction of the heart via the mind. Via the mind. Listen to Colossians 2.8. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Philosophy, philosophia, the love of wisdom. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles, the ABCs of the world, and not according to Christ. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're going to university, you're going to have all kinds of weird stuff. Hey, go get your degree, sift it through the word, keep your faith. Philosophies. There are millions. Some years ago, a druggist in the East advertised as follows. Uh, the drugstore you can patronize with confidence, accuracy, and experience, our motto. After many years of making up prescriptions for the neighborhood, it was discovered that he was doing so without a license. He had never even studied pharmacy. Who knows how many people suffered in health from his inexpert prescriptions that he filled how many deaths he cost. I was just watching a documentary about time back, and this guy had just duped hospitals. And he was performing surgeries. He'd never been to medical school. Never went to college. This boy's cutting people up. Such a con artist, he had done a resume, everything else, and he got into reputable hospitals. Amazing. How much greater the crime and the judgment of false teachers who teach contrary to God's word and lead people to perish eternally. The believer is to examine all things to see if they are scriptural. Acts 17, 11, be a good Berean. Make sure you're always carrying a Bible. Make sure you're always following and you're looking at that. Make sure you check the notes. Make sure you're thinking critically. Not to criticize, critically. <laughs> There's a difference. The believer is to give an answer to every man for the reason the hope that lies in him with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3.15. We are to test the spirits, whether they're of God or not, 1 John 4, 1 through 3. You can know who's talking to you. Whether it be a spirit, whether it be a man, whether it be by letter, whether it be a tape you hear. You can tell if it's the spirit of God. You know why? If you know the word of God. If you know the word of God, whatever you hear, you sit through the word of God. And you can say that's of God or that's not of God. It's real simple. The believer is to hold people accountable to doctrine. I mean, we just finished 1 Timothy. I'm not going to go over it, but let me just give you a couple. In 1 Timothy 4, 6... He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Now go down to verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And, and, and on and on. He just speaks about doctrine. He can't doctrine, 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 good, healthy doctrine. That's the key. So we're to hold people accountable. People say, well, you know this. He said, well, really, show me that in the Bible. You know, like I told you often, people say, well, you know, there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible. Next time they say that, I say, here, show me one. 
Hand them your Bible. They've never read it. They're liars. They couldn't find a contradiction as they needed to. We're to hold people accountable. The believer is to avoid all unprofitable things and divisive people. We'll deal with issues, but we're not to spend our time there. Look what Titus says in Titus um, 3, verse 9 through 11. He says, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject the device of man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. People that want to argue with you over predestination, free will, and, and how many angels you can put on the head of a pen and stuff like that, just tell them to go away. I can use my time better as someone who needs to be saved. Who doesn't know Christ? Sincere doubts are welcome. Arguments and insincere questions aren't. They're a waste of time. The practice of the false teacher was to be idle talkers and deceivers. We still have that problem today, don't we? Notice lastly, their identity, especially those of the circumcision. First of all, the false teachers were religious men. Mark that well. They were insubordinate to the word of God, but religious. They were insubordinate to the appointed men of God, but religious. They were opposed to the work of God, but religious. They were appealing to the intellect and the emotions of man and not to the spirit of man that's regenerated, but they were religious. They were legalistic beyond the scriptures as evidence of their super spirituality being only religious. They were absorbed in rituals and ceremony being religious. Such individuals usually are dogmatic and very subjective in their interpretations and most of them out of context. So they rip something out of the text and apply it to what they wanted to say rather than its context. The cultural background, the language, the grammar, and they just give it a subjective interpretation. They usually demand their dogmas to be equal with the scriptures. They're an authority in themselves. Notice, secondly, that the false teachers were, and he nails them here, Jews. <laughs> so the circumcision, he says they're religious, but they're the Jews. The Jews had forgotten why they had been chosen of God. In fact, Moses in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 and 8, tells us why. He says, the Lord did not set his love on you or chose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep his oath, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He says, listen, when you go in the land, you get all those barns, you get all those graves, you get all that stuff, don't start thinking you're hot. And don't think that you deserve it. Just know it's because God loves you. So it's not because they deserved it. It's because God loved them. The Jews had gone into captivity, remember, because they disobeyed God's law, right? They broke it. 
Now, what happened when they went into captivity is they said, okay, we went into captivity, we broke the law. I know what we'll do. We're going to get into the Word of God. We're going to study it. And that's where the whole synagogue and the study of the Word with Ezra and Nehemiah and all that and the scribes and then the Pharisee movement came from that captivity time into intertestamental time, the 400 years of silence. And so this is what they said. The law is holy. We broke it. That's why we went into captivity. So we're going to make all these interpretations, and, and those interpretations are going to be a, a fence around the law so that we never break that law again. And with the process of time, what happened is they began to worship the fence more than the law because if the law is holy but the fence keeps us from breaking the law, then the, the fence must be pretty good, huh? And they began to honor the interpretations and traditions of men, teaching them as a doctrine of God, and Jesus nailed them. And it happens very subtle. We start with the Bible real good, then pretty soon, you know, we're just depending on books. And pretty soon people don't even carry Bibles to church. The Pharisees were the religious byproduct of the movement. And while they would not even strain at moving one of the burden, they'd put all the burden on the people. And Jesus nailed them and said, you guys are hypocrites. You strain her in that and you swallow a camel. Matthew 23, 24. Listen, that potential for every pastor, for every Christian, we must remain at the feet of Jesus. The rite of circumcision was held by them as a major identification, as a badge of sonship to God through Abraham. Misunderstanding that it was the faith of Abraham that was counted for righteousness, not the circumcision in Romans 4, 3, 9 through 10. It's so easy to get off track. We start putting the emphasis on something else rather than the Lord and His Word. They were teaching myths. Titus 1.14 tells us the commandments of men is God's truth. They were teaching ascetic practices no longer effective. Verse 15 tells us that. To the pure all things are pure. To those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure but even their mind and conscience are defiled. And so people will try to bring you under legalism, not doing certain things or not eating certain things. You know, Paul deals with stuff like that. You know, it has nothing to do with New Testament. You got to be careful. The Judaizers were always dogging Paul's steps, attempting to discredit him and destroy his ministry. Uh, just read his epistle to Galatians, chapter 2, verse 12, chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. He gives us credentials to the Philippians. A Jew, zealous, surpassing my contemporaries of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day, blameless in the law. <laughs> he said, I count all that but a pile of manure for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I like Paul. I love Paul. Hitler knew how to dissemble. One had to look very closely to his terrible book, Mein Kampf very carefully to see the cloven hoof beneath the angel's luminous robes. He made free use of the Christian vocabulary, talked about blessings of the Almighty and the Christian confession, which would become the pillars of the new state. He rang bells and pulled out all the organ stops. He assumed the earnestness of man who is utterly weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, especially the church papers. It was reported, for example, that he showed the tattered Bible 
to some deacons and declared that he drew the strength for his great work from the word of God. He was able to introduce the pietistic tremble into his voice, which caused many religious people to welcome him as the man sent from God. And a skilled propaganda machine saw to it that despite all the atrocities that were already happening, and despite the rabid invasions of the Nazis in the church, the rumor got around that the good Fuhrer knew nothing about these things. People, the very same thing is happening to our own nation. Hitler said, I don't need you. I've got your children. You get the children, they've got the nation and the generation. It's real simple. Didn't Hitler have the kids turn in their parents? Don't children have the right to turn you in as parents? Amazing what's happened in our nation. Some of the most horrible crimes that have ever been committed have been committed by religious systems against Christians, such as the Catholic Church and the Inquisition, where she murdered and tortured numerous people, multitudes, for not believing the dogmas of Rome, and yet it just swept under the carpet. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 16, 2. They will put you out of the synagogue, yes. The time will come when whatever, whoever kills you will think they're he is offering God service. Amazing. Religion is one of the last day's characteristic as we study 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain up from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So while they are doing all these different things and being led by demons, they have all these nice little ritualistic, you know, really seemingly holy things to do. Amazing. The man of sin will be ushered in to power by the help of a PR man, the false prophet. This man, through the system of the great harlot, will bring about the man of sin to be the ultimate model of insubordination, idle talker, deceiver of the true worship of God through religion. You might get a little peek of that in Revelation 13 and 17 when you get a chance. He's the epitome we're talking about this morning. The epitome. I'm sure glad the Lord's coming back for me. <laughs> I'm not looking for Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not looking for the deceiver. I'm looking for the deliverer. Thank God for that. And so the identity of the false teachers was of the Jewish persuasion. Now all these things can be applied in principle. That's why we study the text. We see it around today. We need to be careful. We need to be wise. And so the nature of the false teachers at Crete was described by Paul in these three simple ways. The character of the false teacher was marked by insubordination. The practice of the false teacher was to be idle talkers and deceivers. And the identity of the false teacher was of the Jewish persuasion. He nails them. Oh, Paul, that's not a loving thing to do. No, but it's a godly thing to do. <laughs> but really, it is the most loving thing to do because he is warning his children. You see, if you love someone, you'll warn them about danger. If you don't warn them, then you really don't love them. And so may God give us the boldness 
the discretion and the willingness to be faithful stewards of his word in such a dark time that we're living in. And uh, God alone knows what will happen in the years to come. But he will be sufficient, more than sufficient. Pastor Xavier Reese and the Sufficiency of Christ. Now, if you'd like a copy of today's message, False Teachers at Crete, it's available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is False Teachers at Crete, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Is the woman's place in the home, or is that just antiquated thinking? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 